Live at 5 Sports at Todd and Suhan, brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Plenty of things going on right now, Jim, but Caitlin Clark is a phenomena that we haven't seen very often. No matter the sport or the genre or what you're talking about, she is uh, packs arenas around the country, and Gopher fans get a chance to see her on Wednesday. Hopefully it's mostly Gopher fans and not those Iowans coming up and taking all the tickets. Oh, I well, <laughs> I mean, the way the Gophers, Gopher women's team is going this year with Mara Braun out and everything else, frankly, they, they aren't selling a lot of tickets. Uh, so I think you'll have, you know, there, there are diehard Gopher women basketball fans who are there no matter how the team is playing. They'll be there. There are Gopher fans who will be interested in Caitlin Clark, uh, but there will be Iowegians, no doubt, bringing <laughs> yes. up 35 and buying up the tickets because it's a hard ticket to get in Iowa. Yeah, no doubt. It's, and it's a hard ticket to get around the country. She's t- selling yeah. out stadiums you, uh, wherever she goes. Uh, th- didn't they have an outdoor game, too, that she played in that drew like 70,000 fans or something like that? Yep. Uh, she is a phenomenon, and it's it's really fascinating from the Minnesota perspective because she's basically having an impact on the women's game that we kind of, you know, we provincially kind of expected Paige Beckers to have. Mm. And Paige Beckers has had a great career. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's gonna she is a great player. She's gonna be a great player. Uh, she's having another great season this year. She took a team to the uh, to, to the final two here in Minneapolis, which is a storybook all in and of itself. Um, but Caitlin Lark is just become unique. She's become one of the greatest athletes in history. Uh, She's breaking all records everywhere. She's breaking scoring records while leading the nation in assists. Uh, She's a two-way player. She's big. She's strong. She's a great ambassador for the game. She's a great competitor. She's fiery. I mean, she's just got it all. Yeah. And Iowa and Minnesota and the upper Midwest uh, were some of the first states to get on board with, with women's athletics, with having w- women's basketball and right down to the high school level. I mean, Minnesota produces a ton of quality girls' basketball players that go on to play college then, so they really are captivated by this story. Uh, no doubt about it. And I, I do hope it's a, a big, I, I would expect it to be a very big crowd. I hope it's a sellout. I hope it's kind of another advertisement. Uh, for the for the power of women's sports, mm-hmm. uh, it should be. I mean, this is you know I, I'm a jaded sports writer. I've seen almost everything, and this is one of the few things I would like spend my own money to go see. Yeah, you bet. And uh, your paper today has it as it is a sellout. Apparently, uh, fairly recently okay. there at Williams Arena. So I was just kind of peeking at that, and and she's moving right along and knocking off scoring records uh, as she goes. I wonder, you know, you have to ask the question, is she, she has a year of eligibility remaining at Iowa. It would seem like she's sure got a good thing going there. Uh, I'd like to see her come back and play another year there. You know, I, did she already say what she's going to do? Oh, has she? Um, I'm kind of blank on that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll try to look that up as we're talking. I mean, if she comes out, uh, she's going to be the number one pick in the draft. Yes. And so if you don't, come out when you think you're going to... Uh, okay, she has not said yet whether or not she's coming back or not. Okay. Um, I think it's really hard. As a, she will have done pretty much everything. Uh, we don't know. If, and I don't think this team is as good as last year's team, so I don't know that I see this Iowa team going and winning a national championship. Mm-hmm. She, they don't have quite the inside presence, quite the depth they had a year ago. Uh, so let's say she has finishes off this year in great form and keeps setting records and doesn't win a national championship, does she come back just to try to win a national championship when 
that's not not something really completely within her control, or did she just go to the WNBA? Uh, and of course, the other fascinating thing here is that right now, where women's basketball resides, she might make more money as a college player than as a WNBA player. Yeah, that's the interesting part of it. I wonder what happens with the NIL deals once she goes to the WNBA. Does that all dry up then? I mean, they could just be converted into simple advertising deals. You okay. know, that's what they are. You know, yeah. so she could still get money at, from advertising in the pros. Uh, the question is, would, you know, I mean, one of the things I'm sure she has some national deals, obviously, we yeah. her on the national ads. She probably has a lot of NIL deals around town mm-hmm. in Iowa. Does she keep those when she goes to the NBA, or does she have to go more national? I think she's going to do fine either way. It's just another part of the calculation. Yeah, no doubt. So exciting. Wednesday night at Williams Arena, uh, then for the Gophers. I read your column with some interest uh, today as well. Uh, tell us about that a little bit. Yeah, so Zach Goring uh, coached Apple Valley High, the three state titles. He mm-hmm. coached uh, Tyus Jones, Trey Jones, Gary Trent Jr. Uh, the Jones uh, brothers played their full careers there. Tyus was playing varsity as an eighth grader. I saw him play eighth grade against Burnsville and one of the great careers in Minnesota history. And Zach was a very good coach, very well liked. He also, you know, gained a lot of appreciation from me the way he handled. You know, you're coaching these stars. You might get a little worn out by media attention. He was just always a very gracious guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Apple Valley did a great job of putting on the nationally televised games when Mike Shevsky would come to town and those you know, games were, were played on ESPN. They just, I, just, I just found him to be a very endearing figure, obviously a very good coach. Uh, well, his kids, uh, he got to a certain point, and he already won three titles, and his kids are going to school in Farmington, and he didn't want to miss any of their games. So he retired from high school coaching. Yeah. And then he became a ref. So he'd keep his hand in basketball, tells all of his old friends, makes like $30 a game refing games, and he refs tons of games, like yeah. four or five each weekend morning. Then he, whatever days his kids aren't competing, he will re- go referee games on those days. And he doesn't do varsity games. He does everything from third grade, late in-house, up to JV. So uh. this is it. So first of all, it's really admirable that he puts his ego aside and just goes out and does things, you know, involved in the sport he loves. Sure. The other thing is we're facing a crisis with lower-level referees. Hmm. They, get a, they, they show up, they make very low, you know, relatively little money uh, as they're doing their jobs, and the way our society has turned, they just have to deal with an incredible amount of abuse. I've seen you know, teenage kids are just refing so they have a little bit of bubblegum money, and they're getting screamed at by adults. Yeah. Uh, so the fact that Zach... And some of his friends are going out and roughing these, roughing these games really is good for the sport. Boy, is it ever. Uh, a friend of mine on the podcast, well, you know him, Greg Snow, he always yeah. talks about if you played growing up, you were given a lot uh, as a player. You were coached and you were officiated. He said when you get older, if you went on to college in particular, you, you need to give back. And that's exactly what Coach Goring is doing. He did it while he was coaching, too, and now continuing yeah. to do it. That's just giving back to the game that gave you so much. Yeah, and I also credit uh, one of my podcast partners, John Millay, does our prep mm-hmm. sports and activities podcast yep. at talkgrowth.com, and he gave me the idea. He's John's is always out Great. and about, and he, he comes in with these kinds of stories. Yeah, no doubt. So, yeah, people should check that out if you uh, are looking at the Star Trib. Uh, I get it off the website, but people obviously still subscribing uh, as well. Uh, well, the, the, uh, do you, have you ever been to Indianapolis for the scouting combine that's coming up? 
I was just talking to John Krasinski on another podcast about okay. this, and I have not. It's like one of the few things in my career I have never done. Okay. I've never covered a British Open. I've never covered an Indy 500 or a Kentucky Derby. I've never been to the Combine. Uh, it's just it, when I was a beat writer, it wasn't that big a deal. Yeah. And by the time it became a big deal, I was doing other things. Uh, Krasinski has covered it. Because he was in Indianapolis as an associated press sports writer, so he was there a lot. Mm-hmm. And he said, you know, he actually, probably like me with the winter meetings, he always valued it because it's a rare chance where you can bump into a scout in the hotel lobby and you can bump into a, an NFL assistant general manager. You can, you can develop some sources you wouldn't get just by, you know, cold calling people. Uh, so it's valuable in that way. I think it's valuable for teams, even if it doesn't, even if it's not what's going to determine whether you take Caleb Williams or Drake May or, Number one, it's really good for looking for red flags. Mm-hmm. You know, I, an NFL scout I used to talk to all the time said, you know, listen, you, you might not learn much more on the positive side about a good prospect, but you might find out something that you need to know negatively before you invest the draft pick in them. And mm-hmm. He said, you know, listen, you don't have to be, you know, you, you don't have to look bench press 800 pounds to be a good, uh, you know, left tackle. There is a certain parameter you have to be within in terms of strength and agility, and if you can't do the drills, you're not mm-hmm. going to be able to stand up to life in the NFL. So it's just a good vetting process. Everybody knows about the 40-yard dash times, and those are fun to, to keep track of. But one of the things that's fascinated me over the last several years is measuring the quarterback's hand size and seeing yep. how big that hand is. It they it has a a purpose, especially for a cold weather team. Smaller handed quarterbacks, they don't really want them. And and we saw the Pittsburgh QB now the last years. He plays with gloves on with small hands, so it does have an effect. It does have an effect, as you said. Sometimes in cold weather, uh, sometimes it can lead to you know smaller hands can lead to more fumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always a little leery of going that. In depth, I would, I would, you know, I, I don't know how big Joe Montana's hands were, you know, but I would hate to miss on a Joe Montana because his hand was like a, a quarter inch shorter than somebody else's. But, but you do want to know those things. You yeah. want to factor everything in. Yeah, that's for sure. Jim, thanks so much. Thanks, Todd. Live at 5 Sports with Todd and Sue Ann. Brought to you by Prairie's Edge Casino Resort. Rambo pregame coverage for Cardinal Boys basketball tonight at 7.